Today we're in Luke chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 21 through 32. Luke chapter 2, and verses 21 through 32. Let us begin with prayer. Father, we thank you for the word of God that uh, enlightens us, the word of God that brings the light of life, Jesus Christ, the knowledge of the gospel to us, that our darkness and sin may be cast away and overcome by light. We thank you, Father, that Jesus is the light. Help us understand today what that means and what we are to do as children of the light. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus has uh, come to earth and uh, Mary has given birth to him in Luke chapter 2. I'll back up a little bit next Sunday to read the, the uh, Christmas story itself. But for today, I want us to focus on this passage uh, immediately after the birth of Jesus. These are the childhood days of Christ. There are not many scriptures in the Bible about the life of Jesus between the birth and the time that he appeared to be baptized by John the Baptist. But there are some fill-ins here. There are some uh, uh, words that will guide us, and so we want to look at that today. But we focus upon what Luke wants us to focus on, that Jesus is the light of the world. That's what this text is really all about. So in verse 21, uh, when eight days had passed before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, Yeshua, which means God is salvation. The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. When the days for the purification according to the law of Moses were complete, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now, so that you are following along with the Jewish custom, Luke is a Gentile himself, and he's writing this gospel to the Gentiles. And uh, here we've got the first eight days of our, the life of our Lord. And then about 30 days later, they come to the temple to dedicate him to the Lord as it was written. And that's where we are in this passage of Scripture. Later on, Luke will begin to show that Jesus is growing in stature and wisdom. And when he's 12 years old, he shows up in the temple. So in the Gospel of Luke, in, after Jesus is born, we have the eighth day of circumcision. We have the 33rd day, or about to 30 days, where he was brought to be dedicated to the temple, dedicated unto the Lord, and then when he was 12 years old. So that's the earliest days of Christ growing up that we have in the Gospel of Luke. So verse 22, there in about the 30th day, when the days for their purification according to the laws of Moses were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves are two young um, pigeons. For those who could not afford the lamb, they were allowed to sacrifice two pigeons or two uh, turtle doves here in this passage of Scripture. Luke is giving us a picture of how poor the family was that Jesus was born into. They could not afford a lamb. It was required that you, that you sacrifice a lamb in the Old Testament. But if you couldn't afford a lamb, two little birds would do the job. 
And so when Jesus comes to be dedicated in the temple, the sacrifice the family gave were those two doves. Hence the song about the 12 days of Christmas, two turtle doves. But let that be the reminder that God has left heaven. Jesus has left all the glory and the Shekinah glory of Almighty God and loved you and me so much that he would come and dwell with the most common of people, people who couldn't even afford a lamb to be offered in sacrifice, but they wanted to seek the Lord. They wanted to serve the Lord. Folks, giving is not about how much you give. It's your attitude from the heart. And the attitude of the heart of Mary and Joseph was that they wanted to obey God's word. And that's why they dedicated Jesus in the temple. Now when they get there, the man who was a, the priest who was a part of the dedication was called Simeon. There was a man in Jerusalem, verse 25, whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So he has had a revelation from an angel. Uh, Simeon has had a revelation of anticipation about the coming of the one that Israel has waited for since David was king. And that is the Christ, the Messiah. Of course, the word Christ means Messiah. It's interesting to me today that people think Jesus Christ. Christ is his last name, Jesus' is first name. But Jesus, Jesus is the name he was given. But his identity, hear this now, his identity, who he really was, is that he was the Messiah promised to Israel. Everybody had been waiting. And folks, it's been 400 years, 400 years since they'd heard a word from the Lord. And a lot of folks had given up that God was going to keep his promises. And some of you may be thinking today, your prayers have not been answered. God's not done for you what you've asked him to do. But yet God's always on time in answering our prayers. Verse 27 says, He came in the Spirit in the temple, that is Simeon. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, they took him into his arms and blessed God. Then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now here is the prayer, here is the prose, here is the song of Simeon. Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace. Simeon is old. He's been around a long time. And uh, he is still waiting and hoping that that promise would come true in his life, that before he died, he would see the promised Messiah. But when Jesus was dedicated in the temple, he saw it. That revelation came through. And through this prophesying of Simeon, uh, he was declaring what God wanted all of us to know is that he keeps his promises. A Savior has come into the world. Folks, that's the real message of Christmas. Jesus is the reason for this season, and he has come into the world. So I'm ready to die now, he says. I'm ready to depart in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation. That's why Jesus has come, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. In other words, here he is in the temple, and it's a public event. It's not a private thing that happened in a cave somewhere like the uh, Mormon book was translated out of a cave and secret tablets and all that. 
This is real history. What we're reading here really happened. And uh, the birth of the Lord and the uh, dates and times and peoples and events uh, are all historical and documented. And He really came. Jesus really came. He really did die on a cross. And He really was raised from the dead. And He really is coming again. He really is. And that's what the gospel is really all about. Folks, this is truth that you're hearing today. Verse 31 is key to understanding what this text is really all about. Which you have prepared, he said, in the presence of all peoples. Verse 32. A light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Now what does he mean by that? He's saying that this Jesus fulfills the Old Testament promise of a coming Messiah who is called the light, the light of the world. He is a light of revelation to Gentiles. Now that's people far off. And he also includes the glory of Israel, your people Israel. Jesus is for everyone. Jesus is for everyone. Not the religious, not select few, not those with a special understanding and insight. Jesus is for you, and he came for you and for me. So let's flesh this out a little bit. As uh, Christmas comes along, excuse my dry throat. As Christmas comes along, we get a little compressed in our activities, and I've heard several of you talk about the things you've got planned. I hope that you can take something away from this sermon that will help you stay on course in your faith and not get sidetracked by all the silly things that's going to happen in uh, Christmas time. I think about the Christmas vacation that Chevy Chase is in, you know, and he decorates his house and he puts all his energy into that. And he's lit it up, lit it up, lit it up, and it don't work. And he has all these problems, and he's got in-laws with him, and all the crazy things happen around there. But the, the part that I remember about the movie is that he puts those wires together, that extension cord, and when he does, what happens? Boom! The light comes on fully. Sure enough, it finally works. Well, the light of the world here describing Jesus Christ is not about Christmas trees or Christmas gifts. It's about the Christmas grace. The grace of God to bring light and salvation into the world. So the first part of our message will talk about the revelation of light. Jesus is the revelation of light. This means two things that we're going to talk about. First, this means that we understand his identity. We understand the identity of Jesus our Savior. Who is this baby in the manger in Bethlehem? Who is he? What is his real identity? John is saying that he is light, the Gospel of John. Luke is saying, quoting Isaiah, that he is a light to the Gentiles that God promised. Who is this special baby that's called the light of the world? A light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Well, first of all, light in the Bible stood for the very glory of God. Wherever God appeared, there was light. God did not appear as darkness, but he appeared as light. 
And it recalls the wilderness wanderings of the people of Israel when they left Egypt and they were headed to the promised land. There was a pillar of fire that led them. Uh, when God spoke to Moses, he used fire to construct ten com commandments. The Bible says in Psalms, The Lord is my light and my salvation. He says in Isaiah, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. And this passage in Luke chapter 2 verse 32 where uh, Luke says he is the light of revelation to the Gentiles. He's quoting Isaiah chapter 9 and in Isaiah chapter 9 he says the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land the light will shine on them. Your light has come he says in Isaiah and the glory of the Lord shines upon you or us. And so light in the scriptures refers to God. The first thing that God brought to the universe was what? Light. Let there be light. Now, in celebration of the history of Israel, the Jews had one of three special pilgrimages or um, uh, feasts every year. Passover was one, and one was called the Feast of Tabernacles. Inside the tabernacle grounds, there were four huge menorahs standing 70 feet tall. Now, you can imagine these four lampstands in the court of women in the temple area where people came, and it was lit with oil for 24 hours. And the temple is on a hilltop. And when people come through Jerusalem, they see the light from the temple shining 24 hours a day. It must have been a sight to behold. Now when you see a menorah that the Jewish people use to celebrate this time of year, uh, you recall that they are celebrating the light of God being with them as they journeyed through the wilderness from Egypt to the Promised Land. But when Jesus showed up at the temple, at the Feast of Tabernacles, He spoke while these huge four candelabras were lit, he said, I am the light of the world. Now, I imagine people looking around going, Now, what are you, son? What, you're a young man. How can you be the light of the world? The light of this menorah, these huge 70-foot high poles represent the glory and the Shekinah glory of the presence of Almighty God. No one has seen God. He is spirit and He is truth. But He reveals Himself so many times in light. And this represents the light uh, of who God is. And Jesus says, I am that light. That's my identity. You see, heaven is where light comes from. God is light. And light has come into the world in the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said in the Gospel of John, I'm that light. I'm the light of the world. In fact, he talks about himself as light more in the Gospel of John than anywhere else in the Scriptures. I'm the light of the world. Now listen to this. Jesus is in the temple grounds. The menorahs are smoking and lights, lights are flashing. Lights are loud. He says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And in order to demonstrate that, you know what he did? He healed a man who had walked in darkness all his life. He was blind. And Jesus healed him on that occasion. 
Folks, it's real. God has manifested Himself as the light of the world that transforms and changes our world. And we're going to talk about how that works. John says in chapter 1, verse 4, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Folks, there is no life without light. I've been watching the science uh, articles and, and uh, news reports about the universe and how far we're able to see with the new telescope. And, and all you see is light, stars, masses and masses of gas, and it's more and more light. And the more of God you see, the more you're going to see light because God reveals himself as light. Where there is no light, there is no life. If the sun quit shining today, what would happen to us? Would we be able to grow corn next year? Would we be able to have four seasons? What do we do when we run out of electrical power grids? If the sun just quit shining, we would have no life. And we would all soon die. We would freeze to death and very quickly. We wouldn't be able to breathe the oxygen that we breathe now. now. I want you to think about that a little bit because there's a lot of people living in the world while the, SU, uh, the, the SUN is shining, do not know the SON. And they can hardly breathe. And they're struggling. And they don't know what life is about. And Jesus has come to say, I am the light of life. Some of the functions of life help us to understand what Jesus meant by this. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Light is always stronger than darkness. Whatever is false, whatever is untrue, whatever is a lie in this world... The light of the truth of God's word will always stand and will always overcome. Can I get an amen? Light helps us to see things. We use flashlights. At night we turn on our car headlights. And by the way, as a parenthetical statement of here, for those of you who are still driving at night and you don't turn your headlights on, please turn your headlights on. I've never seen so many cars these days driving in the dark with no headlights on. But lights help us to see things. And Jesus helps us to see things as they really are. You see, Satan and evil always operate in darkness. They always operate in darkness. You go into a bar, is it well lit? No, it's dark. You go into a dance hall, is it well lit? No, it's dark. If uh, you pass the Triple X bookstore on the way as I go home uh, every so often, uh, people have, are parking behind there, behind a, a wall, so nobody will see them in their sin. That's the darkness of sin, and that's what sin brings on in this world. There was light that was the true light coming into the world that enlightens every man, John said. So Jesus gives us light to see the truth about God, the truth about life, the truth about who I am, and the truth about where I'm going. 
there is a lot of what is called um, sexual orientation confusion these days. And the Word of God will guide you through that process if you know of someone that is struggling with that. Claim who you are that God has created you to be and you will find peace in your life. He will help you see the truth. Light guides us as we try to travel, as we try to get down the road. And if you want to get through life safely, follow Jesus Christ. He will never lead you astray. He will never lead you to a life of regret. I wish I hadn't done that. No, never. He will always lead you into wholesome, into good, into righteous, into excellence. If there be anything of virtue, Paul said, let your mind dwell on these things. This is how the Lord will lead you as he guides you down the road of life. Light draws people. And you have the light of Christ living in you. And that little candle of Jesus that lives in your heart and walks with you attracts other people. Because you don't cuss, you don't drink and get drunk, you don't do drugs, you don't slander, you live a wholesome life, and you're at peace, and other people want that. So let your light shine that others may see Christ in you. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let it shine. He guides us to warmth. In a little town where I went to college called Natchitoches, Louisiana, which is the oldest settlement in the Louisiana Purchase, founded in 17 and 14, there is a tradition on the river lake that goes through that little college town called the Natchitoches Christmas Light Festival. It's a town of about 15,000 people. But let me tell you how many people it draws to that Christmas light festival. They have Christmas themes, Bible themes going up and down the river. They have a Christmas tree that sings that you can go down to. You can go down on the riverfront and you can get a good uh, meat pie. Or you can get some good crawfish. You can get some good catfish, you know, those kind of things. Boiled peanuts, all that kind of stuff. Uh, just like any other fair or festival but while you're there this Christmas light is this Christmas tree is lit up and it changes light, uh, lights according to the music there town of 15,000 between December the 1st and the first week of January over 600,000 people will visit that little town 600,000 people light draws people and people are drawn to Christ in you when you let him shine in your life. Light always dispels the darkness. How many of you have been to Mammoth Cave? Inside Mammoth Cave. How many of you went through the tour where they turned the lights completely out? Did you go through that? Were you as amazed as I was? They lit one match and lit up the whole cavern on the inside of that thing. Light always dispels the darkness. There's a story I used to tell every Christmas back during the days of the gas lamps that were lining the streets of the little towns in New England. And at night, there was a guy called a lamp lighter. And he went down the street as it got dark, lighting the lamps. Little boy was standing by the window there watching the lamp lighter light the lamps going down the street. And he said to his family, he said, look, 
That man is punching holes in the darkness as he went down the street with his light. You and I have a responsibility to bring light to a dark world and punch some holes in the darkness of the world that we live in. So we see the revelation of light. We understand the identity of who Jesus Christ is. He is the light of the world. And secondly, we understand the reason for his birth. Why did he come? The first time he came was to fulfill what his name was, and that was his name was Jesus. He was to be the Savior of the world. John said it clearly, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The first time Jesus came was to bring salvation, not condemnation or judgment. Jesus said so often, I judge no one. Uh, to the woman at the well who felt judged by others, Jesus said, I don't judge you. Uh, I come to bring salvation to you. He died on the cross in order to bring salvation, not judgment. The judgment of sin took place through the death of our Lord Jesus on that cross. I'm going to spend a sermon here very soon explaining how the death of Jesus conquered death. But Jesus conquered the darkness of death when he died on the cross. And he did that for us, for our salvation, in order that all we have to do is believe that he is the light of the world, that he is the Son of God, and trust him to forgive us of our sin and come into our life. However, 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 Jesus is coming again. And when he comes a second time, it'll be like a light. It'll be as quick as light, as quick as light travels. The Bible says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from the other. That's the judgment of God. And those nations that knew the Lord Jesus Christ went to heaven, those peoples. The word nation is ethnos, where we get the word ethnic or people. And those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ will be cast into outer darkness. In 1875, there was a, a music evangelist that wrote a song we sing a lot in our churches called The Light of the World is Jesus. And hear this because he talks about in this song why Jesus came. The whole world, he said, was lost in the darkness of sin. The light of the world is Jesus. Like sunshine at noonday, His glory shone in. The light of the world is Jesus. Come to the light. Tis shining for thee, He says. Sweetly the light is dawned upon me. Once I was blind, but now I see. The light of the world is Jesus. I want to touch a little bit on the second main point of this message about the universal reach of the light of the world. How far does light go? Well, light as we understand it and the light waves in the universe just keeps traveling. And there's an idea here in the passage of Scripture that the light of revelation is to the Gentiles. The Gentiles were the people that lived farthest away from the hope of going to heaven. And yet the light of Christ came for them. He came for them. Do you know that in our dark world, our spiritual dark world today, there's 7.2 uh, unreached 
thousand unreached people groups in this world. Did you know that since I've been preaching this day, on this day, about 155,000 people will die without Christ and will not go to heaven. That's the darkness we face and the coming judgment. Four and a half billion people are still unreached with the gospel and have never heard the good news about Jesus Christ. But as we give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering and support our 3,500 missionaries on the international mission field, we begin to punch holes in that darkness. 247 people groups were engaged with the gospel this year. We need more missionaries. And we need more money to send more missionaries. We have more people who want to go to the mission field than we have the funds to, uh, to provide for them. 770,000 people heard the gospel for the very first time. 155,000 became new believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. 18,000 churches were planted. When Jesus came to the world, he traveled into the unreached people groups. One of those unreached people groups was up around Galilee in the northern region. And Jesus, you remember, got in the boat and they had the storm and Jesus came out and stilled the storm and after he stilled the storm, the disciples says, who is this that even the weather pays attention to him? When the boat got into the shore, shoreline, there were walls where people were buried, cemeteries up there, and the people that lived in that area were the outcasts. Many of them lived in those cemeteries where people were buried and they were called the Gerasenes. This is where the story about legion comes from. It's amazing to me how Jesus gets in a boat. Instead of hanging around at Jerusalem, there in the southern part of Israel, he goes up to where the graveyards are and where the homeless people lived and found a man possessed with thousands of demons. And he's cutting himself and he's breaking chains and, and uh, he wants to die, but he can't die. And uh, Jesus comes to him, and this man who is possessed by a demon, the demons uh, began to speak to him, and he asked the demons what their name were, was. When you ask somebody their name, you get control of them. And they told him, my name's Legion, and Legion cast the demons out of that guy. And he came and was released from all the change, and he stood as a normal man. What this tells me is, the light to the Gentiles, how far can the gospel go? It is endless. There's nobody out of reach of the gospel. And when you get together this week with your family, you're going to have some people who are not living in the light. And you are the messenger of the gospel. Give your testimony. Tell your story about when you got saved the Holy Spirit will begin to recharge that room and bring a light and a stillness that's never been at your home. You be the one to volunteer to pray. You be the one to tell your story and ask somebody else, would you like to know Jesus as your Savior and your Lord? Because see, that light never goes out. And it may not be in a foreign mission field. It may be the mission field you're going to be in when you have Christmas dinner with someone.
The light of the world is Jesus. Come to the light. Tis shining for thee. Sweetly the light has dawned upon me. Once I was blind, but now I see. The light of the world is Jesus. Let's stand together, will you? Father, we thank you for giving us light in the darkest time of the year and that Christians decided in the solstice of the sun when it was the darkest to celebrate your coming into this world. Let us, Father, take this light of Christ that never goes out and may we trim our wicks, may we trim our candles so that we walk closer to you and let the, let the light burn, burn brighter. May we be bold enough at Christmas time to share Jesus with folks who need him the most in our families and our loved ones. I pray there'll be someone here today who wants to give their heart to Jesus. I pray they'll come to this invitation. Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Akron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Akron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Akron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.